Welcome to the We Believe in Florida Citrus podcast, brought to you by Florida Grower Magazine. The We Believe in Florida Citrus initiative shines a light on the positive work taking place to build a sustainable future for the state's signature crop. Each episode of this podcast will bring you insights and expertise from key players in the citrus industry. Now, here's Florida Grower Editor Frank Giles with this episode's interview. Welcome to the We Believe in Florida Citrus podcast. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Scott Engel, the Vice President of Agriculture and Natural Resources with the University of Florida. Welcome, Scott. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity. Great, great. We, we talked when you took on this job here, it's been about a year, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, so how's the ride been so far? Yeah, you're good at math. Um, yeah, it's been exciting. Um, you know, obviously starting in the middle of a pandemic where it's hard to get out and uh, do a lot of quote normal things, I've had to find other ways and um, challenge myself to make sure I'm meeting the right people and seeing the right things. Uh, I think I've done a pretty good job of getting out. It, it's also been exciting because there are some very significant challenges in agriculture right now, and there are also some very significant opportunities. So I guess, how has the ride been? It's been exciting. Great, great. Well, I know you, you made a commitment early on to visit every extension office in every county in Florida. How far along in that journey are you? Yeah, I've been to, um, let's see, 44 offices so far. So I bet, I bet I have traveled more around Florida than just about anyone over the last year. I've seen all of our um, research and education centers, our extension centers. I've visited many, many farms. So I, I literally every week I'm out somewhere around the state. Right, right. And I think people outside of Florida don't realize how long this state can be once you start getting on the open highway. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I learned, uh, I learned that when you're in the panhandle, it's closer to get to Chicago than it is to Key West. <laughs> That's crazy. It's wild. Well, you mentioned COVID. Um, just talk about taking this job on in the midst of COVID and some of the challenges that you ran into there and some of the ways that you overcame those. Uh, yeah, and it's been a little hard for me, particularly even here at the university. The university has been probably more shut down in a lot of ways than our, our farmers and our ranchers around the states and many of the businesses. So in one way, it's, it's helped get me out of Gainesville maybe a little more quickly than I normally would have. And so I've met more people. I've, I've visited more of the stakeholders that have an interest in IFAS. I'm really, um, you know, now I'm turning my focus to try to try to make sure I'm um, fully up to speed on what's going on here on campus, here in Gainesville. So everything is flipped on its head right now. The the, the normal is not what it used to be, but uh, you know we're trying to always make the best of it, learn from uh, some of the challenges of COVID, and where some things have actually gone better, we will continue with them. Right. Thank thank goodness for these platforms where we can visit like we're visiting right now uh, over Zoom, and uh, that really helped smooth that process more than it would have been otherwise. Right, yeah, um, particularly in extension. 
where we would get 20, 30 people maybe to a class or a training session. Now we often get 100 or 200 people. And uh, sometimes we're getting people, often we're getting people from out of state. And occasionally we actually even get people from another country. And so in some ways, yes, we've expanded our ability to reach across time zones to make sure that we're delivering information as broadly as possible. So that's been the good news. Obviously, overall, the news has been bad with COVID, but where those bright spots and bright points of lights uh, have been discovered, we will stick with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, I know you were aware of the devastating effects of HLB before you took this job, but I'm sure you're even more acutely aware now after hearing from citrus growers across the state. What have some of those conversations been like as you've interacted with uh, growers over this past year? Yeah, you're right. I knew about these problems even when I was leading the National Institute of Food and Agriculture for the USDA. Many uh, citrus growers from Florida traveled to D.C. to make sure that the funds that we were using to support citrus research and training um, would be used effectively. So I didn't know it at the time, um, but I was learning an awful lot, sponsoring symposia on the topic. Uh, little did I know I would be in Florida help, you know, being the, you know, the recipient of some of these efforts that were started in DC. But as I've traveled around Florida now, those, some of those conversations have been hard. They've, they've all been earnest, uh, they've been candid, and sometimes even painful. Uh, these are men and women who are, uh, their livelihoods are in jeopardy. And, uh, I never lose sight of that. Uh, that's what that that's what is driving me, and I think almost everyone in IFAS to try to make sure that we're doing our best to to, to find both short and long term solutions. It's what I've seen in these farmers' eyes, and you know, seen their tears, literally seen their tears when they're talking about the past and and present and what they don't see in their future. Yep. Yeah, before we dig into HLB a little more, I wanted to touch on your commitment toward studying and learning even more about the citrus fertilizer nutrition programs. I remember you, you spoke at our uh, Florida, Florida Grower Citrus Show in May, and you even pointed that out a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that and some of your thoughts in that area. Yeah, and I'll be down in Fort Myers here soon talking a little more about that. Well, nutrient management, uh, fertilizer recommendations, soil test analysis, this is really at the heart of a lot of the environmental issues that we are talking about in Florida, whether it's red tides or spring water quality. Um, we know that agriculture is just a part of this, uh, but a part because we're all in this together, a part that we do have to do something about. Uh, Early on, we were primarily focused on things like potatoes and tomatoes and more recently sweet corn and sod. Uh, but it's also become painfully obvious that this is now an issue with HLB infected trees, that our recommendations, which we acknowledge are not always, I should say they're old. I don't wanna say they're inappropriate. At one time they were, they were correct. Uh, they may not be now, but we're now realizing that this is probably a problem with HLB infected trees as well. And we've got a lot more studying and learning to do about this, but uh, the farmers have made, and farmers and 
others that I've talked to have made it pretty clear to me that we've got a problem here and our own scientists acknowledge that. Absolutely. And, you know, good segue back into HLB. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the research that University of Florida is doing and maybe some specific areas of science that you're excited about when it comes to HLB. Well, it's an all hands on deck approach first. Uh, there's, there's no single, I don't think in the short term, we're going to find any single solution to citrus greening. Um, it's going to be a, a, a conglomerate of various practices and technologies that come together, hopefully to make sure that our trees can survive into profitability. Uh, we always hope we can find a solution, but that's probably a long-term approach. And I, I will come back and talk about that in just a minute. But um, we've got three research and education centers that are really uh, working on citrus and all hands on deck approach. Um, we've got faculty here in Gainesville. Um, prior to this, I asked for a, a summary of how many projects we have working on HLB, and we've got over 100 projects uh, that have focused specifically on HLB, all the way from economics and sociology, but then into breeding and entomology and plant pathology and plant physiology and nutrition. The list just goes on and on. Our goal is, uh, it is twofold. The first is to make sure we can keep our trees alive long enough so that farmers can remain profitable. And um, I think we're having some mixed results. And I've had some, some farmers tell me that they think they're doing okay. Their trees don't look good, but they're making money. Others are telling me it's not going so well. But really, our, we also know that we need a long-term solution here and that, um, just keeping the trees hanging on at the kind of the low end of profitability obviously is not what we want in the long run. So what are we doing to you know, at least get the trees to hang on until we can find a more serious solution? Um, we are looking at nutrition and we are looking at slowing down the rate of disease, whether it's providing protective covers or other elements that might be applied to a plant that could slow down the progression of the disease. Um, we're doing a little bit of basic research here as well. I've got one scientist um, named Dr. Levy who is looking at how the, how the phloem is plugged up within the tree and, and can we unplug it? Uh, that's a kind of a fundamental question. Uh, it would not be a solution to the disease, but it might allow uh, enough nutrients and water to move within a tree that we could actually keep them alive longer and, and maybe move them onto the, the higher end of profitability. When we start thinking about the long-term solution here, I, you know, I still hold out some hope that we might find a, uh, a chemical treatment, a physiological process that could be a could be a quick solution. Um, like, like what we've had for so many other diseases, insects, other challenges. Um, so I hope so, but so far that does not seem to be what is most likely. What is most likely the long-term solution to the problem will be through our breeding efforts. Uh, our breeding efforts are, they're not for the faint of heart at all. I know we, there's a lot of criticism of the 
the breeding efforts, but these are long-term uh, projects that require innovation, creativity, a lot of grunt work because you are looking at many, many, many trees. And then it's a, it's almost a lottery. You're looking at, you're looking for that one tree out of a thousand that shows some resistance. And then you got to go back and rebreed that breed out or breed in that resistance into another species. Maybe that has better fruit quality. So just as an example, uh, we've got Dr. Uh, Dutt's work. Uh, here he's working with the Australian finger limes. We know that they are highly uh, tolerant to HLB, if not resistant. So what genes are those? You know, why is that citrus species more tolerant, maybe even resistant uh, than others? We can identify those genes. What can we do to get them into other crops, uh, other species more quickly? So we're using CRISPR technologies. We're um, there's a lot of other both genetic and non-genetic approaches to try to move genes around. Um, but I guess the bottom line here is that this is literally an all hands on deck. We don't know where the solutions will come from, what they might be. I think despite the fact that I've estimated that in the United States, since HLB came into the country, we spent about a billion and a half dollars. And I know that money has been spent in Brazil and China trying to find solutions as well. So maybe globally, there's been three, two, three billion dollars spent on this problem. Wow. We don't have a solution yet. That's that's pretty worrisome that we've put so much effort into this. But to me, it just illustrates the fact that it's such a complicated disease that the solutions are also going to be complicated. And that's what's taking up so much of our time and so much of our money and frankly has con contributed to there being so much angst within the citrus community. We understand it, as I said earlier on, I've, I've been in meetings where I've seen 80 year old farmers literally crying because they were losing the farm to this, uh, to the devastation of HLB. And so I, I, I feel it, I understand it, I understand the frustration but I, I want all of your listeners to know that despite the lack of progress, it's not been for lack of trying. We will always continue this all hands on deck approach. And as we make more progress and it's been slow and it's been incremental as I acknowledged, but I think these things start to build upon themselves and hopefully within the next year or two, maybe even three years, we'll start to see that the, we can shape that curve more quickly upward in our desire to find solutions as these things start to build upon one another. Good deal. And then of course you I think you're you kind of address this with the all hands on deck, but you know in that in the scheme of ag research at the University of Florida, where would you put the priority of HLB research? Um, it's our single highest priority. I think that's pretty clear. Citrus is iconic to Florida. It's obviously economically important. It's important to our, it's important to our, our image. So it's not something that we can, we can let go. Um, we're going to keep focusing on this. So when I'm asked this question about what's the biggest issue, unfortunately, the two biggest issues for um, Florida, I think in agriculture right now, the first, which is more targeted to citrus, would be citrus greening, HLB. 
The second would be on nutrients and how nutrients are interacting with our environment. So this is citrus, IFAS, our ag community are just square in the middle of all of this. We are, you know, no one is more closely tied to these issues right now. But I, I want to come back to one thing again, too. Um, we understand this is a business. Um, there's no inherent right to farm. Uh, farmers need to be efficient at what they do. They need to be smart at what they do. And if they are, they will remain profitable. And our job in IFAS is to help Citrus specifically now remain profitable so that farmers will continue to grow trees, to maintain their trees, but only if it's a way of life that can support them, their families, and their communities. So we're going to keep on this. this as I said, it's our number one priority for IFAS right now. And uh, I will do everything I can, and I will go everywhere possible to listen. Um, if there are solutions that are found outside of the state of Florida, uh, that's fantastic. So we are we're looking everywhere. We will talk to anyone. We will go anywhere. And we will do anything to try to help provide solutions to this, to the devastation of the disease. Good deal. Fantastic. You know, since this is the We Believe in Florida Citrus podcast, we always like to ask our guests in closing, do you believe in Florida Citrus? Uh, yes. There is, there's no crop in Florida that is more important. It is, it is our heritage. It's our image. It's in some ways, it's almost our, our self-esteem that we don't just believe in citrus. We are citrus and that's embedded into, into our culture. So we have to find, it's not, I hope we will find a problem. Let's all work hard to find a problem. It's that we have to find a problem to do this. Now, it's going to be many solutions. I I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we can find that single silver bullet that will solve this problem tomorrow. But the more work we do on it, the more it looks like there will be a multiple, um, multiple solutions focused on trying to improve the quality of our trees and then ultimately our profitability. So it's, um, it's nutrition and it's citrus under protective screening and it's root health and it's smarter irrigation and it's smarter nutrition and it's better economics and better marketing. Um, we're contributing to all of that and we're gonna do everything. And I, I will promise your, your listeners that we will continue to do what we have been doing and where we can even ramp up our contributions. Fantastic. Well, Scott, we really appreciate you joining us today and, uh, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to maybe having you back again soon. Okay, hopefully I have some more updates for you on this. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you.